This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the weekly Fintech Nexus news show. My name is Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Fintech Nexus, and joined, as always, uh, by my good friend and colleague, Todd Anderson. How are you doing, Todd? I'm good, Peter. How are you? Doing great. And joining us at the last minute, we appreciate you uh, jumping in, Kevin, with very little notice today after we had a cancellation. So, uh, Kevin, welcome. It's great to be here. All right. All right. Well, let's get right into it because lots of news happening this week. And of course, we have to lead off with the crypto news with uh, Coinbase and laying off 1,100 people, which is 18% of their, of their staff. Um, it was done in an interesting way, not like uh, not quite as impersonal as the uh, as the better.com layoffs, but uh, done with emails that were sent either to your work address, if you were staying, if you were leaving, it went to your personal email. Um, and uh, everyone found out and you were cut off. If you sort of had pending things were happening in your inbox, whatever, too bad, you're a cut off. But 14 weeks severance pay minimum given to Coinbase. Uh, so, you know what, they've tried to do the right thing. I've always, I've, I've liked Brian Armstrong, CEO there and founder. He's, uh, he, he does try to do the right thing. And uh, reality is, he said, we hired too fast. We weren't expecting quite such a downturn. What are your thoughts, guys? I think that's, uh, the last piece is uh, clearly many of these firms and the capital that went into them, um, you know, kind of, force them to hire very fast in many ways because they need to spend investor capital. Um, you know, not necessarily maybe as fast as some companies did, but you know, the idea of getting investor capital is to do certain things with it after you've raised um, the money. But um, you know, I think overall it, it's a cautionary tale for crypto. Uh, I think the more interesting question really is, is, We've seen the crypto winters come and then go, and then there's a boom uh, after them. Is does this change the behavior on the other side? Like, do you see companies begin to be a little bit more conservative, even if maybe volumes go back to crazy levels? Do they just not hire to catch up with those volumes? It seems like there's been a handful of companies in the space who've done that already. Um, you know, like the Krakens of the world who are still hiring today. Um, but overall, I mean, in a downturn, people lose their jobs. This is yep. kind of how uh, the markets work. And, um, you know, I think with crypto, it's been kind of this volatility up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, but it's not surprising when you start getting into the phase of the economy that we're currently entering. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think it I, I've always loved uh, Coinbase and Armstrong, and I think it shows the ones that aren't, there's a couple of companies that are laying off a bunch of people, BlockFi, Gemini, yeah. uh, Robinhood, Klarna, even ones that aren't directly related to crypto, but they're all sort of in that same FinTech uh, new, uh, brave new world companies. And I think it shows a lot of discipline when you grow slowly. And I think that's probably, I can't even imagine one of the most difficult parts of starting your own company, especially in the tech space. They have huge funding rounds that they have to spend and it's 
probably easy to say, well, we're going to hire four times more people. And then suddenly Bitcoin drops or waivers around 25K. And what are you supposed to do? A lot of your uh, income comes from selling this stuff and no one's buying it. Yep. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I read some things this week. Um, I can't remember which company it was, whether it was Binance or one of them was saying that they had a lot of pressure to grow fast. Their VCs, the funders wanted, wanted them to grow faster, wanted to add more people. And, you know, they, and they, they didn't grow as fast as what they could have done. And, uh, and so there are certainly those companies that have taken a more conservative approach and, and those are the ones that seem to be still hiring. But I mean, how many times did we have the conversation in the last year? Can this company catch up to the valuation they were just given? Right. And now we're seeing like a lot, A, the companies can't catch up and the market turned so quickly that now they have to cut back on what they started ramping up on. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Okay, well, let's move on with another specific story, which is a negative story in crypto, and that is Celsius. And, um, you know, we Celsius are, um, you know, they've been a, a crypto lender for a while. We've had uh, CEO speak several times, most recently, just uh, uh, three weeks ago at our event in York before all this went down. But I'm reading a bit more about the Celsius thing. The Wall Street Journal had, a, had an interesting article, I think it was today or yesterday. And uh, today, yeah, they... Um, They've played like they had a like a four hundred and seventy million dollar investment in in Lido. Um, there's been margin calls happening. I mean, there's been a lot of people that have got you know significant money at um, the sitting at sitting at Celsius was earning a great return, um, but uh, now is stuck there. And uh, you know, it's quite the big question is can they remain a growing concern? Well, Kevin, I'd like to hand to you because I know you've you've just uh, written a piece about this and. Uh, what are your thoughts on Celsius? Well, I was, I've heard of them before as uh, regulars were scared of them because of their advertising, their se possible securities or the return they were saying. Um, but after hearing the CEO at our event, I, we were supposed to actually have an interview yesterday uh, to talk about his perspective because he has this uh, serial entrepreneur, like electric, let's change the whole world mindset. Let's become a bank, but pay out what the banks make on your deposits to the people depositing. That sounds all well and good until your bets start going bad. Like it, even if in the perfect world, your returns are great, you're getting paid out, you live in this new decentralized DAO uh, hybrid world of DeFi that he was promising. If a couple of your uh, DeFi accounts get hacked, if you lose millions of dollars, if say Tether pulls their, their $1 billion loan, which they said they did yesterday, then suddenly where do you have even the cash to pay um, your creditors, let alone the people who have deposited money and locked it in on your account. It's scary and it's sad. And I hope uh, there's talk of them restructuring. They hired bankruptcy or restructuring lawyers. It's it's a frightening time to be a creator, even if you're passionate and brave in this industry. If they cite it themselves, and it's not entirely untrue, there is problems with um, scams and DeFi uh, bubbles. And even institutions get caught up in them, even if they don't have, I don't know. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. this, uh, this one might have a bit more far-reaching impact than you know the previous story which was <clears throat> very much about you know growing too fast and 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 hiring which happens in a lot of industries and uh legislators and regulators kind of are are used to that in many ways but this one this one could be tricky for the DeFi space um and how the different intricacies of the players and the companies involved and and where the money goes and the percentages that you're promising and 
you know, the, the regulators are going to look at this. And there was in that story, Peter, there was, what was it? Two or three people that went on the record saying I had 60% of my retirement savings in there. Somebody else had a uh, hundred grand from, uh, I think his wife had, had passed away and he was going to use this for an eventual house um, with his kids. And now that's locked up. And so you, the more stories you hear like that, the worse it will get for DeFi and companies like Celsius because that's what the regulators are going to hold on. Yep. Unfortunately, yep. because in every industry, there's scams, there's people that are promising too much. But when you're new, you're, you know, the bar is raised. And if you can't right. hit that bar, it's going to then cascade down to other players in the industry. So I think the Celsius story might be playing out for a while and it might end up being a, an example that leads to overregulation. Yeah. I mean, it's a, who knows what the regulators will do, but I mean, uh, I'm sorry, but anyone who puts um, anything more than just a small amount, I mean, it just goes to show how little the average investor knows about the basic principles of investing. And that is don't put, yep. don't I mean, don't put anything that you can't afford to lose into a speculative investment. Um, that's just, and, that's, and you always hear the best investors, the Dalios, the, you know, um, Chamath, Palihapitiya and others are always like, you know, five percent. Yeah. If you're yep. if you're you know a bit aggressive, put ten percent of your assets into into crypto or, or a risky asset class. Uh, but you know, but legislators and regulators are always going to go in on the quote unquote person that lost their shirt. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the reality is, investors in Celsius are um, if assuming they that they. Um, you know, if, if they end up going into into bankruptcy, then they are just going to be unsecured creditors, just, just like everybody I'm else. Fair, um, yeah. This is not a bank account type product. This is not even. Uh, there's no protection whatsoever. So, hopefully, that doesn't happen. But we'll cautionary be tale for retail and and unsophisticated yeah. investors as well. Know yeah. what you're doing. We'll be. We'll continue to follow this story as it unfolds. But we're going to move away from crypto for a little bit here. First, we're going to talk about PayPal. And buy now, pay later. PayPal, you know, launched their pay in four product back in 2020. It's been super popular. Um, they have uh, basically they've had like 22 million people use this product last year. That's that is a very large number. And um, but now they're launching uh, basically PayPal Pay Monthly, which is. That basically, instead of the pay in four, which is just you know you pay you pay twenty five percent three equal installments usually every two weeks, this is up to two years, up to ten thousand um, dollars. With it, it, basically, it's similar to what the 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 place where a firm plays, which is really just a term loan. It's they basically are offering term loans now, um, and uh, that you know it's it's going to be popular. I'm guessing. I mean, it's the natural evolution of of buy now pay later which is as the transactions get larger you need to come up with more options for the borrower to um you know to pay because not everyone's going to be able to pay you know two thousand dollars off in four or six payments mm -hmm. most people are also probably not going to want to do that um so um i think credit is evolving um away from just the credit card and just the the term loan to all these different um, you know types of products, which to me is only good for the consumer, um, you know, so long as uh, there's a little bit of guardrails in place. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's cool to see credit uh, evolve past because this is like a credit card for larger purchases without having the card at all. I personally like having an account that I can like pay minimum on or pay off full price or see the balance of than to trace down multiple because uh, I bet you PayPal is going to be the only person or only group to do this. Um, but it's still cool to see how it evolves and changes. Um, yep, yep. Okay, staying with um, Buy Now, Pay Later, there was an article in Wall Street Journal um, by uh, Telus Demos. Um, he, uh, he's been covering the fintech space for a long time. He's, I think he spoke at one of our very first events. Um, anyway, he was talking about really looking at the Buy Now, Pay Later companies, their the share price, and comparing with, with just traditional financial services. And it, it took um, a lot of, uh, put a lot of focus on a firm. And I like if Fermi said they're only two to three percent of a firm's portfolio is in thirty-day delinquency. That I was surprised by that number. That is a pretty low number considering they have a they have a pretty wide credit box. So, um, and that's it's in line with where they were pre-pandemic. Um, so he's just talking about like a firm. You know, he was looking at sort of the and maybe there maybe it's been it's been oversold. I mean, that was sort of the premise. I'm, I'm, he wasn't providing investment advice, obviously, but that's sort of the – that's what you could read into what he was saying there, that uh, a firm's got some decent numbers and they have been hammered. It's funny. I, I Hearing you say that, Peter, uh, um, a little bit of a shameless plug. When I interviewed, uh, I think it was uh, Mark Luber of Equifax yep. at USA, the um, – Session title was something like uh, BMPL and, and consumers and data. Uh, and what he, they found was that the people using BMPL were not credit invisible or credit challenged. They were people that knew how to use credit. Uh, and for the most part, they might have high balances on credit cards, but they're savvy credit users. They know how to move stuff around. They know how to keep their scores in pretty good shape. And while they might not pay stuff off, they kind of know how to work the credit system. Uh, And this goes to kind of play into the story here, which is two to 3% in 30 day delinquency on the face of it would have seemed pretty low. But if you kind of combine those two things together, it makes, it makes a bit of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it does seem like I I saw that panel too, that your guys have talked. It does seem like it's people that are, uh, credit knowledge, credit educated, I guess, they're using these products. I thought the article is interesting too, because it said, it talked about why uh, buy now pay later in general is underperforming the S&P, which is saying something because uh, the market's doing terribly anyway. Um, but one of the aspects was the actual mechanics of how it works as a consumer credit product. Like if you miss a payment, you might get locked out completely of ever using the service again. And if I miss a payment, uh, my or if I make a minimum payment or something, my credit score might actually go up because traditional credit providers are pretty happy with you um, utilizing their credit at all, or even incurring more of a balance. And that's pretty interesting when you look at Klarna or anyone who has delinquency rates in buy not pay later. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, that's, that's, that is a big conversation that, that we will, we will move on. I think Kevin, um, one, we, we, we don't talk about prop tech, much real estate um, tech. We, uh, we had to touch on it today because I, I, I like to celebrate little victories. Homelight, they're, they're, they're a, a prop tech company. been around for, I think it's been around for a while, like 10 years or so. Um, and they announced uh, they had raised another $60 million. 
they called it an up round. I mean, they, they called it actually an extension of their Series D from last September, but that was nine months ago. Let's face it, it was a Series E, um, really, or a Series D2. But um, they went from a $1.6 billion valuation to a $1.7 billion valuation. I mean, up know, is up. That's, that's up. I mean, and like, you know, you know, basically, if you can do, if you can even do a, a flat round, flat is the new up, they say. Yeah. <laughs> they have, and they and actually also, when they made an acquisition to of um, one of these, uh, you know, cash offer um, places that make let let mortgage buyers do cash offers, and so yeah, there are, uh, you know, there are some, there are some maybe the maybe the real estate market hasn't been hit as hard as some of the other places. And, you know, real estate. You know, we went into the pandemic. Um, everything kind of cratered that first month or two. And then all of a sudden it was this refi boom. I did one. I think, Peter, you did one. Many others did one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then real estate in general has kind of just like flown well under the radar, you know, especially with the success and, and uh, newsworthiness of crypto. And buy now, pay later. It feels like real estate has kind of just went. And some of the stories have been bad, like better.com. But, um, you know, it's also coupled with rates starting to rise. Um, And that's obviously going to slow down the housing market uh, because people don't think they can get a great uh, offer on a home anymore. But uh, I think we've had Home Light speak before. Uh, You know, the iCash or, you know, whatever that model is, the. Um, certainly had I a lot buy, of pub- buying, I call it. Yes. Yeah, had a lot of publicity there for a while, and then uh, people were holding uh, a ton of homes on their balance sheet that couldn't get rid of. But um, yeah, interesting round, and and like you said, um, you know, flat is is the new up at least for the the time oh, yeah. being. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and yeah, when you're in the same market or niche as Better.com, flat is definitely healthy. <laughs> yep. No, and uh, I think you know, I, I think real estate there's there's still a lot more room to, there's a lot more innovation that's going to continue oh. in real estate. There's a lot of, lot of work left to be done. A lot of wood to chop as uh, our colleagues. So many pieces of that transaction from when you initially think of buying a home to when you get the keys that are just still not yeah. to where they can be. And it's better than it used to be, but we're no, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, my, 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 I did, I did my refinance with better, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, whatever. And, it was um, it was a great experience. Loved it. Very, you know, much, much, much better than it was, you know, 10 years ago. But anyway, let's move on. The mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, who was our opening keynote at, uh, US, at our USA event three weeks ago, he is in the news again. Um, that we're going back to crypto for a little bit. The New York legislature has passed, um, the lower and upper house have both passed. It has not been signed into law yet. Um, but they have both passed a ban on new crypto mining projects in the state of New York. Now, Eric Adams, um, the mayor of New York City, is not a fan. He wants the governor to veto this bill, and I'm actually I'm on his side. I think that's uh, it's it's you know it's, it, the reality is um, this mining is going to happen, and even even at these prices, it's going to. I don't think there's going to be a, a, a slowdown um, in mining, but you know, if it's not going to happen in New York State, I mean, it's going to happen somewhere. You may as well, you may as well put it in 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 a in a place where there is good environmental regulations. Do you want this going 
you know, to the third world countries or, you know, somewhere in Eastern Europe or something. So anyway, um, thoughts, guys? Good luck dealing with the rat's nest that is the New York political class. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, if, if you're going to be a leader uh, in financial services, fintech, and tech, doing this does not put you as a leader. Uh, a leader is figuring out how mining works and then is there ways to then reduce the environmental impact? Right. Because if you can do those two things at the same time, you become an even bigger leader versus, oh, let's just stop it for a couple of years so we can figure it out. Like To me, that's the short-sighted way about going things, but... Yeah, why don't they just say let's you got to do twenty percent renewable power or something um, if you want to start a new mining, new crypto mining project? I think that would, I would like that as a better. Anyway, any thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, I it always it's always strange to me when the law the line is drawn on renewables as if because uh, mining is going to be done no matter what, um, and it, whether it's done by burning carbon or turning like solar panel electricity into. Uh, proof of work to turn like electricity into, you know, validating coins and transactions. I don't see what the major difference is because either way that energy could have been used to heat my home or run the subway uh, here in New York city. So like what, how does it, how is it like being less wasted if it's like done through wind turbines? Yeah. And the whole idea is to bring demand up for the renewables. That's, 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 that's my, my perspective. Yeah, that, that, we're getting out of the scope of a FinTech discussion, but uh, I, your point is taken, Kevin. So moving on, um, I was actually at the announcement where they made this. This, is, this was uh, announced at Consensus last week. Abra, um, they have a crypto platform, a crypto exchange. Uh, they're partnering with American Express. This is American Express's first foray into crypto rewards cards. Um, Abra is the first one out of the gate. Um, and this is interesting. Like the, the thing that's slightly different here is that you can, your you get your rewards in, in one of any one of a hundred cryptos that, that are then then are able to be traded anywhere on the, uh, with the, you know, with any of the other available tokens on the Abra network. Um, tech is powered by I2C, which I thought was interesting. Not, uh, not one of the, um, the other guys that we've seen. Um, so it's 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 a waiting list happening now. They hope hope to launch it later this year. But uh, yeah, good to see American Express getting involved in this. I think. I mean, I expect. I, I'm excited to see it. I expect almost any card offering or company or even buy now pay later or something. Uh, loyalty when it comes to crypto is going to be big in the next two years, um, and it's cool to see American Express dropping on it because. Uh, it seems like a fun way to get people involved in cryptocurrency and rewards and staking or whatever. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk about the crypto winter. This was an article in Coindesk, which I thought was super interesting. Um, yeah, basically the, the title is the crypto winter is here. The weak will die and the strong will eat their bones. <laughs> and it was That was kind of the... Um, gives you a good a good flavor of the tone of the article <laughs> so um basically this guy, it's like i think this guy was a little um little annoyed at all of the worthless crypto projects that got funding in uh, in the last year or two and he's saying that they will fail 
Um, it's going to be a big cleansing of the crypto system, which is which is uh, going to be a great a great thing. There's still plenty of money available for good projects. So he basically is arguing that the crypto winter is going to be a real net positive for crypto long term. I mean, I subscribe to that theory as well. Um, you know, for the short term pain, you're going to find out the companies that really know what they're doing. A, that know how to navigate when funding isn't just knocking through their door at one phone call and a term sheet in three days and, uh, you know, around announced uh, intent. Um, you know, you're going to find out what technologies are really potentially long lasting. And you're also going to come up with new ideas. People that maybe were fired from Coinbase or somewhere else and said, you know what? I had this idea. They, the your Coinbase or whoever got a little bit too big. There's a bit bureaucracy there. Now let me work through my idea. Maybe I can get a little seed cash. I could bootstrap it, whatever. Um, there's a lot that comes out of downturns that is um, very, very good. And usually you find uh, the exceptional entrepreneur find their way through. Mm-hmm. I think in the article he talked a bit about, I definitely agree that uh, winters and summers are very healthy for crypto and any new tech, especially when the moves as fast as this. In the article he talked about the experience of being at consensus event in Austin with the rest of the desk team and how there was such a variety of uh, people, companies and ideas that were all there from Gary Kasparov, the chess player to uh, SBF talking about, um, I don't know, uh, political things and not uh, maybe crypto and fintech. I think the focusing is a good thing when it comes to uh, winters crashing down and sort of reining in what really works in the industry and what really uh, deserves like attention and the uh, spark. Yeah, yeah, and it's and you know even like we were both there at consensus last week, Kevin, and it was the mood was pretty positive. Now this was before the I think, yeah, I think crypto's down like another twenty five percent since uh, <laughs> since we got and that was you know since we left, which was you know five days ago. Um, so it's still you know, certainly not, yeah. The, uh, the, there is a slight difference, Peter. If you remember back in like was it twenty seventeen going to twenty eighteen or eighteen into nineteen, yep. one of the two. There was a lot more skepticism around crypto generally back then. Yep. Now, you don't hear the same skepticism today about crypto as an idea, as a future. You might hear it about some of the crap that's in the system that needs to get flushed. Some of the algorithmic stablecoin stuff, the Celsius of the world, maybe that are are doing things that um, you know maybe are around the edges or or not uh, completely above board. Not trying to call out Celsius or others, but um, you don't hear the same skepticism generally in the market. And so I think we've certainly reached a different point of uh, the crypto evolution. Um, and I think we realize that it's not a revolution, but an evolution, uh, and it's going to go through ups and downs. And I think eventually we'll see it uh, widely adopted in some form or another. Uh, but I think that's at least something positive to take away from this as well. Yep. Yep. There aren't as many naysayers this time that saying that the whole thing's worthless. Although Bill Gates did say that uh, this week in, a, in an article, but uh, what does he know? Anyway, uh, wrapping up with our last story is from the European Central Bank. Um, one of the board members there, Fabio Panetta, um, talked about the digital euro. And this was really interesting. He's basically, he's basically saying, yep, they're doing a digital euro. It's going to launch, he thinks, within four years. And this is a board member. 
saying this. And the thing that I haven't heard before, which was which was most interesting, he said he thinks it's it's going to be capped, like the total circulation of the digital euro will be capped at 1.5 trillion euros. So what that means is, you know, I don't know what the exact um, GDP of Europe is, but it's it's you know, it's in the tens of trillions, probably I'm guessing in the high tens of trillions, maybe even a hundred trillion as far as GDP. So you're talking about a relatively small amount. And I like to see a lot, this is basically, he said, between three and 4,000 euros per person. Because that's what you can maybe have it as your like spend account, throw some money in there that you're just transacting back and forth. But it's not going to be sort of the core of your financial life. And that that could be a way to kind of get banks on board and not have, you know, not have everyone just, close their account at the bank and go have a account directly with central bank. So I thought that was a that was an interesting piece. Kind of the web 2.5 world. <laughs> it's like the in-between. Uh, yep. You know, not going all the way, but uh, a beginning to adopt it uh, in a way that, you know, we start seeing the benefits, but uh, we don't go from this world to that world in the blink of an eye. Yeah, I was... It's interesting that there is that limit. I know... Uh, Peter, during your panel with, uh, among others, the CEO of Figure, Mike Cagney, who helped yep. uh, the USDF consortium, I think. There's a group of uh, community yep. banks that have their own stablecoin. Theirs is like unlimited. It's Right. Well, that's going to be issued. They want theirs to be issued by banks. Like, so the banks are issuing stablecoins. This is, you know, this, this is, and they, this is going to be sort of the, what Cagney thinks is this is the de facto CBDC. We don't need a CBDC because we're going to have banks issuing digital currency. What um, the euro is saying is that we're gonna we're gonna issue our own, and it's just going. And this I mean, this makes perfect sense to me. This is going to be like it's what I mean. It's not quite what you like what you said, Todd, because it is going to be they're going all in. They're just going all in a little. <laughs> so they're not sort of doing a. Um, you know, they're not sort of betting the whole economy on it, but they're they're. they're you know, I think it's good because the, the maybe in in a decade's time it'll be. F- 15 trillion euros as they get, they get used to how things work, but it's good to start, start with a, a small, you know, a, a small amount. That's not going to, not going to crush the banks. It's not going to, not going to crush the economy if it all blows up. Anyway, we are out of time. Thank you um, very much, Todd and Kevin. Thank you for uh, watching or listening. Uh, the audience appreciate that. Um, I'm going to be off next week. I'm heading into the Colorado backcountry to do a backpacking trip. Todd will be um, taking the reins. and um, We have our guest already, which is Kim Gerhardt of uh, Fintech Interactive and uh, Kabir Kumar of Flourish Ventures. So make sure you tune in next week. Uh, It'll be a great show. Okay. Great. Well, thanks, everybody. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye. See you.